love that song. And as we take communion, I'll tell you, I really, really know the Lord's presence here. I think I've said it before many times, but I remember I got to travel with a great teacher and apostle of the Word of God, Brother Derek Prince, more than anybody except his wife. So I'm really privileged, but I'll never forget that every time we would have lunch, he would bring over, as we would retire to our rooms, he would bring over elements for communion for us both to take together. Uh, and was so we were felt regenerated and recharged every time we did that. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Amen. Um, I want to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is the chapter, Bonnie referred to this, so I'll mention that I was reading this one, John 14, many, many years ago. I was raised up a Hindu. My mother was a really committed Hindu believer, wonderful woman of God who gave lectures. She was one of the few women among the Indian community, Hindu, who was allowed to lecture to thousands of people. I mean, she had tremendous knowledge and so I grew up in that atmosphere and then the glory came I was given a Bible and this John 14 was the scripture that came alive around between 8 and 9 in the evening and I was knocked unconscious <laughs> at the table I was like this and and I was taken into glory, to the presence of the Lord. But I was reading this. In fact, this particular scripture, I went, it was this chapter, but verse 6, if you'll see John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I was brought up with, and we want to be loving towards everybody, anyone, all who are hungry to know God. But they would end up, hopefully, getting familiar with Jesus. Because he is the way. And I am. And that aspect of the Lord that I am. Say I am. So Jesus is never I was. Jesus is always I am. He's alive. So I am. History. We study history, but the Lord is unique. Jesus Christ. And he is the way. And so it, it seemed for me at that time, if you are uh, brought up to be more of an intellectual. You want to be, well, how intolerant? There are many ways. 
That's where I was brought up. And suddenly the glory came. And it's in the presence of the Lord, I believe, that it's not an for me, it's not an intellectual exercise. It's revelation glory. The presence itself coming and zapping you. And I became conscious around five, between five and six in the morning. I was knocked unconscious and I was in that glory and the heavenly light all around me. The moment I got up and I heard a rooster crowing. We had chickens in that area <laughs> wandering. And, uh, and I knew as I got up from that. Nobody had to have discussions with me. No, immediately get on my knees and receive. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. There was, I knew that I knew that I knew Jesus Christ is exactly what he said he was, that he is the Lord and he is the way. So I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there is no other truth. Uh, I remember I was asked to give a lecture at Cornell University. It's one of the Ivy League universities. And they, they phoned me a week ahead and said, what is the title of your message, what are you going to speak? I was speaking in their main gathering auditorium. So it was a, it was a cool, school event. I said, what am I going to talk about? I said, all right, yeah, I know what. So the subject is, what is truth? Oh, wow, we were packed out. <laughs> and because uh, there were the, <laughs> some of the biggest bunch of intellectuals gathered at Cornell University. And I said, what is truth? And then I said, truth is a person named Jesus Christ. And that's the revelation. He, he is the truth. Besides him, there is no truth. First, you find truth in Jesus Christ. And it's by revelation. Or oh, the Lord will bring you to that. And uh, I'm You're leaving truth. out some of the juicy parts, though. I'm sorry? You're leaving out some of the juicy parts. Which is? Because in that meeting, wasn't it the grandson of the president or something that, that came to the Lord? Yeah. And yeah, in fact, to, it, it, uh, truth, in fact, I, I will finish that thought. And I was kind of summarizing <clears throat> that experience at Cornell. But <clears throat> I said, he's here. He's telling me that man in the 18th row, you're an assistant uh, associate professor, but you're, you have a kidney disease and you're having dialysis, and Jesus is healing you right now. I had several words, and they said, yes, that was quite, quite something. Uh, and then many gave their lives. I said, how many of you want to accept Jesus as the truth? And, I mean, numbers. I was very surprised. Almost the same thing a few years back before then happened at Harvard University. And at that Harvard, so I was giving the lecture, the wind came and smashed open every window that was there and swirled around the room. <laughs> it was quite supernatural. 
Anyway, so that's, that's to do with the Gospel of John. And uh, here he says, by the way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, say Father, except through me. So basically, here is, and then we go read uh, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Basically, he said, uh, <clears throat> he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the work themselves, works themselves. So we have been going over this uh, last few weeks looking more closely at the Apostles' Creed. And it begins with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That's how we begin. And uh, it is in the book of Ephesians we find, therefore, one of the main quotes there in the Apostles' Creed is, and I believe, among the things I've, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the church universal, in the communion of saints. So among the things we believe is I believe in the church universal. So we are looking these last few weeks at taking a moment to see what is the meaning of I believe in the church universal. And in the book of Ephesians, it's, it's a wonderful, amazing book. Very supernatural, I believe, in the sense of the revelation in it. And it's Paul who has written this and gives us in just in the book of Ephesians seven pictures of who we are. So I believe in the church universal. What do we mean by that? And Ephesians kind of explicates, gives you a bigger picture, not just a summary, not just a word, but we as believers, we are the ecclesia in Greek, the church, the called out ones. So you have been called out. Where, how have I been called out? Well, you've been called out of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So you have been called out. You are a creature, in fact, where we, if you see it in the spirit, we are creatures of the light. But those who have not turned their lives over, they have not been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we are creatures of the light. We are, and then the seven pictures Ephesians draws that we are the assembly, God's assembly. There's a whole denomination called the assembly of God. But it, as long as you believe in Jesus, it, you may be a Methodist or you may be a Baptist or uh, Church of Christ, whatever you are, you are part, you are the part of the company of people called out. You are part of the assembly of God. And then second picture is the body. You are the body of Christ. Uh, and then thirdly, you are his workmanship, the supreme work of art according to God's opinion, is you. 
and corporately and individually, you are a supreme work of genius of the Lord, of what he has created in you because you have been washed in the blood of Jesus and you are a new creation. And, and Pastor, if I could add to that one on the workmanship, the uniqueness of the human race is that God has given, as we were created in his image and likeness, that God has endowed the human race with his own capacities. And the premier one being the capacity to create life. And if you think about that, it's absolutely stunning. It's something that happens all the time in the human family where babies are conceived and are born. But that is such an incredible miraculous, glorious masterpiece that God has given human beings the capacity to create human beings. That's his supreme work. It is. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Amen. And then, not only the workmanship, but we are in the book of Ephesians, and we look at that a little bit more in detail. We are the family. We are the family of God. Say family. Family. So it's not just the natural family, but we are the supernatural the family of God. God, therefore, in the family, there is a father. We have the heavenly father. We have an elder brother named Jesus Christ. So we are the God's family. And also then uh, we are the temple of God. And God calls it temple. We look at that. Another time, we are the bride of Christ. Jesus considers us his bride. And the final seventh picture is the army of God. Put on the whole armor of God, God tells us, to do battle. So you have a destiny just by itself. You are the army of God. So what do you do? You do battle. You put on the whole armor of God. You have a sword. And the Bible tells us, describes, what, does, what is the sword? God's not left you defenseless. He's put on the full armor of God and then take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you have an ability to do pull down strongholds and demonic things. And uh, the last great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was in the, from the 60s, mid 60s onwards. Um, but the Lord brought to surface in the anointing how we can, how powerful the name of Jesus is and how people who have been oppressed, a lot of stuff that, um, that people can be oppressed by demonic spirit. But you as a believer, we as believers in Christ can help pray and set the captives free. That's why Jesus came and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, one among them, to give eyes to the blind, to give the gospel to the poor, and still set the captives free. And part of the cap captivity is from oppression, from demonic oppression. So, and all these sevenfold pictures of who we are as a church, there's a divine purpose that we serve in these sevenfold different perspectives of what the church is. And 
Therefore, we require a certain kind of attitude to be in obedience to the Lord's desires for us. And we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. And it is appropriate, therefore, that we realize what kind of relationship we have with the Heavenly Father. The primary aspect of the family of God, then, I would say, and it's the family member, they love each other. So love is the primary factor, we can say, is the working element in the family of God. And in this family, we have a heavenly father. And in Greek, it is pater, uh, from which we get the word patriarch. And uh, the Paul tells us the head of the family is the father. The origin of a family begins with the father. And uh, so the pattern starts with heavenly father, fatherhood in heaven. God is our father. So it is, once you start realizing there's a revelation in your life, it will really start transforming you and make you a strong individual in your faith. And you know that you know that you are not alone. You are not an orphan. You have a father. He is the heavenly father. And uh, it is so important and that we as Human fathers realize that we, in a sense, represent the Heavenly Father. May we act in such a way that our children would have an affection, therefore, of the Heavenly Father, who is a zillion times more wonderful than what a, a father in the flesh would be. And, I mean, however, your father may have been wonderful and... Uh, if my children, you were to ask their opinion, they would say they have a wonderful father, which I would agree with. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But we, we do influence our children. But even if you did not, my, where I grew up, my father, he was a wonderful father from what I understand. But he passed away when I was just five years old. So I did, really did not get to know my human father, but that's all right. I realized really was a wonderful time way back when the Holy Spirit baptism came. The mighty wave during the time for me was the early 70s that I knew that I knew that I had a heavenly father. So each of you, may you receive. Well, praise God if you had a wonderful earthly father. But sometimes... Some have experienced your father was maybe oppressed with drugs or family oppressions like drugs or, or, or I mean, alcohol, things like that, that would follow certain people, certain men. But it does not matter. When you get saved, you know you have a father God that absolutely adores you. So, we begin this family with a father 
a heavenly father, Father God. And uh, that's why in uh, um, John, the Gospel of John 14, it begins with, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And when it says here, in my father's house, it really means in my father's family. You have a place where the family is staying. There is a place for you. Because my father is your father too. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that something that's so wonderful, an assurance that you have a heavenly destiny? When your time is over on earth, there in eternity, God, in eternity, God has prepared a place for you. That's the word of Jesus. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, as usual, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And that's where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have various truths can say in science, this is a truth. You can say the earth revolves around the sun. That's a truth. But that's just a part of a little truth. But the major truth, all of the truths of the world, are contained in Jesus. Jesus is the truth, is the way and the life. And so, um, let not your heart be troubled. And there is a room, therefore, be assured, there's a room for you. And there's a room for everybody. And God is eternally Father. And heaven is eternally a family. So you are joining the greatest family on earth. I remember um, Brother Derek telling me, I mean, you know, as he got older, he, he was looking forward to being, being in heaven. And the Lord had given him a vision. He said, and the first, there was a gentleman who in the northern Africa where he was posted with the British army uh, he had he had to recover from an infection uh, so it to be <laughs> he was somewhat in isolation um, and the one who took care of him was a Muslim uh, Arab Muslim and they developed good relationship and one of the first person as Jesus as Brother Derek came to know Jesus Christ, the first person he led to the Lord was this 
Muslim gentleman. And he said, you know, God told me that after Jesus, the first person I'm going to greet, that this, uh, I believe his name, name was Abraham, that he was waiting to greet me in heaven. And he was looking forward. It wasn't his mother, father, or some. He said, it was this convert. He's waiting for me. And uh, it gave him so much assurance uh, and comfort. And so Jesus' ultimate mission was to reveal the Father, the Father in heaven, to reveal the Father to us. And Ephesians 1.3 tells us, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everything centers from this perspective on us becoming his children through Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 1 assures us, through Jesus we become children of the Heavenly Father. And we are accepted, it says, in the Beloved. And therefore, for each of you, God has created a blank space in your heart that can be only filled with God the Father. Every child needs a parent. They need father and mother. In our age, in so many sections of humanity, many of the Children have been robbed from the presence of a father. Often, there are many families, some in the inner city, that the father often is absent. And there are people who feel like it's because the government has interfered in an unwise way and made it almost like a pressure. If the father left, the family could still receive support from the government. And so the government in some ways has hindered, not that they wanted to, but the whole aspect, the role of the father as they grow up. Did you have something to share? I, I think that even if you want to call it prophetically or dynamically, the essentiality of having the revelation that we as the people of God are his children, that this revelation that we do have a father is absolutely necessary right now. If you think about the assault in Western modern culture and in the current culture speak about the specific attack on everything that is manhood, that is maleness, that is fatherhood. The word patriarchal is literally like a curse word now in regular modern culture. And you hear it everywhere in the anti-movements, the, the anti-anarchist uh, and, and feminist movements. This word is used like a curse. And it is the word that refers to fatherhood. It's so... Uh, uh, important for us as the body of Christ, as the family of God, to have this revelation and be able to share it. And it is also a point of 
of dynamic spiritual warfare right now, uh, an assault on, again, on manhood, on maleness, and specifically on fatherhood. When Jesus' disciples said, you know, how are we supposed to pray? The first two words were our father, our father. So the purpose of God as Mahesh said, in Jesus Christ, is to reveal the fact that there is a Father in heaven. He is the life source, and we have, therefore, a shared life source, the life source of every family in heaven and in earth is the Father, is a Father. So this is a, it's a timely revelation for us to be remembrous. We are members of his family. It says in Hebrews 2 that 10 and 12, it was fitting for God the Father for whom all things and through whom all things are in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation, Jesus, through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, Jesus and us as one family, are all from one Father. Say one Father. And it says, for which reason Jesus is not ashamed to name them as his brothers, as his family. He claims us as his own. And then Hebrews quotes the Old Testament uh, in Psalms where the spirit of Christ is prophesying through David. And he says, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Amen. So once again, there is an event that happens as the family of God when we actually gather together. It's not just natural bodies in a natural building, but it is actually a, a participation in the spiritual, metaphysical, and eternal realm. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Praise the Lord. And today I had such a sense of the dynamic presence of Jesus walking in our midst. And I had that impression of his eyes that are upon us, his eyes, you know, that see us. And of course, we know in John's revelation of him, when he sees Jesus, he, it's, it's so overwhelming for a human being that he says that I fell down like a dead man. But notice what happens. Jesus comes, the the son of man, the one shining like the sun with eyes of fire and a sword proceeding out of his mouth. And he's holding the stars in his right hand. And he comes over to John and he puts that hand on John. He touches him. He reaches down and touches John in that moment and says, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I've got the keys. I've triumphed over death and hell. And in the same way, Pastor Mahesh, when you were an orphan boy in Africa and through the dynamic word of God, which is so supernatural, we're reading, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You had also made a decision in your heart that the possibility of believing in Jesus and bowing the knee to this revelation would mean you leaving your family tradition and you felt it would be like a human betrayal. And you had decided, that's it. I'll read this book this last night and, and that's it. And 
the Lord was waiting in his perfect timing. I love the way you tell the story of your head bonk at the table. And suddenly you were in another place. The colors were so vibrant. There was life and there was light everywhere. But there was a man. There was a man walking towards you. And you used to say that in his eyes was such love just emanating from him. And at the same time, the sadness of every human tear that had ever been shed, that he was carrying it in his own remembrance. But he came to you and put his hand, just like with John, put his hand on your shoulder. And in this trans vision being caught up, he said, my little brother. So he adopted you. And just like it says here, I'm not ashamed to call them my brother. He made you a part of his family. Amen. And it, that it is imperative that we, we also, that we, in this hour, be aware that you are not an orphan. Therefore, because of Jesus, you get a revelation, the truth. Say, I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Anyway, the thing that we observe also is even in this hour in our culture that people, if they have not had that experience of kind of loving fatherhood, that they grow up with a terrible sense of rejection. It cannot even be, sometimes they cannot name it, that that's what I'm sensing. But if there is an absence of fatherhood, there is a deep hole in that personality. And it can be through Jesus Christ, God the Father can come in. But if they are unaware of this and not had that experience, then they grow up terrible rejection. That's why it's important for us as parents and especially fathers to realize that that child, that son, that daughter, the best picture for her or him to have of a father is the natural father. Eventually, he'll get to know the heavenly father. But God, nature is a father heart. Um, and when there is rejection, it trigger, triggers other problems. It really attracts a lot of other demonic oppression and em emotional problems. Uh, if the, the child has had an oppressive, unloving, selfish, cruel, father, that child grows up with a great disadvantage. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we can be together and that you have a family. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. I am accepted. I am accepted. Not rejected. Not rejected. Father God. Father God. I'm your child. 
I am your child. Father God. Father God. You love me. You love me. I am really loved. I'm really loved. I am accepted. I'm accepted. Not rejected. Not rejected. And I thank you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, know that you know that you know that you know. You are really accepted. Accepted by God, the Father, God, and Jesus, your older brother. And realize that God is never, never too busy to answer you. When you pray, know that he's listening. As often as you want, he will be there. And he always accepts you. And what is required to help strengthen our relationship with God the Father is therefore obedience that pleases the Heavenly Father. How can I please my Father in Heaven that I know the Word and I obey the Word? It says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, For it was fitting for Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation. For it was fitting for him, that's the Heavenly Father, for whom are all things and in whom, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation. Who is the captain? Jesus. That's Jesus. Perfect through sufferings. So Jesus is a model for us that he, on the cross, primarily, great suffering on our behalf. He took our curses, he took our sins. And it says, by his stripes we are healed. For both he who sanctifies, verse 11, and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Now, who is saying this? That's Jesus yeah. saying. Yeah. Can you? I will declare <laughs> your name to my brethren. Yeah. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. This is one of the first references about the Lord himself physically singing in the midst yeah. Of the congregation. In the worship service with Isn't us. Isn't that something? Yeah. Singing together with us. I was thinking about that this morning as well because on a Sunday, the reality is more than any other day right now in these hours of time frame, across the world on the earth, there is a grand worship service ascending because people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue and every stripe of Christendom around the world in all kinds of settings from mud huts to golden cathedrals are singing praise to God today. And we are a part of that amazing family, amazing family. Paul the Apostle, speaking of obedience, Paul said, this is the reason I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth. So there is a heavenly family. 
were part of it. The spirits of just men made perfect. All those ones who have gone before and have believed are part of it. And all who will come after us until the Lord comes. A whole family in heaven and earth is named. That This is our prayer. That he would grant you. Say, grant me. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of adoption. So today we pray the strength of that revelation, Abba, Daddy God, would rise in you afresh, be imprinted and made alive in you afresh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, say I, being rooted and grounded in love, immovable yet joyous and free in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So wherever your mindset is today, God is above it, drawing you in, drawing you higher, drawing you in to more of the full reality and assurance that he is our Abba, our daddy God. He has not abandoned us, nor will he, but he has permanently adopted us through the exchange of Jesus, according to the power that works in us. And Bill Chaplinsky asked if he could share a short, his, his Father God testimony thing. And I remember this testimony. Bill, come. It, it's so very powerful. And your testimony is really one of those examples of from orphanhood into family, from rejection and abandonment into glory. Good morning. Um, yeah, when, when you guys were saying earlier about, um, well, it's just this entire thing about being a father, this has really struck me in a major way. I just lost my 100-year-old grandfather, and I lost my father a long time ago. So I kind of grew up without a father. And <clears throat> I was 25, and I was living in Virginia Beach. And I know some of you guys have heard this before, but I was living in Virginia Beach, living a very ungodly life, and not knowing a father. And I'm going to be very pithy here. <laughs> um, I was living in with a couple of folks. Uh, I was living with a couple of folks in an apartment. Uh, if I had not come up with the rent, I was going to be kicked out. And I had no money in my checking account. I barely had enough to buy food. But, so I had to go to work that day. But I was told before I left, if you don't come up with $200 for your share of the rent, you're out at the end of the month. And it was the end of the month. I go to work. And on the way to work, I remember this as clear as I remember my name. I said, in my despair, I said, Lord God, I do not deserve to talk to you. 
I don't even deserve to ask you this, but you know I need $200 today. I don't know how I'll get it. I don't have it, but if I don't have it, I'll be, I'll be evicted. I go to work, and at some point later in the afternoon, someone, a man with three or four other businessmen, they were all well-dressed. They came in, and they circled around <clears throat> supernaturally. Uh, the Lord kept every other salesperson away from them, and I went and I helped them. Uh, through the course of the of the time that they were there, they prayed for me because I it, he was applying for a, a credit card within the Circuit City to buy a computer. At least he said, I think I'm supposed to buy a computer. I don't know. And stuff happens. He prays for me. Uh, I said, you know, who are you? And he said, my name is Rodney Howard Brown. And I went, my mom's mentioned you before. I kind of know who you are. So at the very end, I hadn't mentioned anything about my need at all. Um, as he's leaving, I follow him out to the car, which is completely out of the norm for me to follow a customer out to the car. He turns around and said, I'm here for an interview with Pat Robertson on the 700 Club. He's interviewing me today. This was back in the mid-90s when there was his revival that took place across the world. And he said, before I was supposed to be interviewed, the Lord said, one of my children is in need, and I want you to go minister to him. And he told Rodney Howard Brown, get in your car, Go to the ATM machine, draw out $200, and drive, and I'll tell you when to stop. This is what he's telling me. And he said, when I got to Circuit City, he said, this is where my child is who's in need. And as we were walking to his car, he was telling me this, and he pulled out 1020s, and he said, the Lord said, this is for you today. And... That, and he gave me his Bible, and they prayed again for me. And that one thing, in the Old Testament, he tells the children of Israel, build memorials. And there's a reason for that. I never knew that. Even then, I had no idea what that meant. But building a memorial is something that he directed them to do so that they would be able to recall that when they needed to understand you know, what they're going through, the, the frustrations or, or the dangers or, or the questioning, the wonderings. You know, where's God? Oh, remember the memorial we built. This is what he did for us at this time. And that's what the Lord did for me. But I couldn't build that memorial myself. I wasn't in the position or place to do it. So he built it for me. And throughout the years still to this day, that is so fresh in my mind that the impression I get, even though he told me one of my children, or he told Rodney Howard Brown, one of my children is in need. He has impressed upon me that I stopped the universe because I heard you crying out.
One of my sons was crying out. And my whole life, I'm, I'm still working, I'm, honestly, I'm still working through God the Father. Still working through that. But every time I doubt, every time I have a question or a fear, he always, I don't even think, I don't even think, but he, he recalls it to my mind, that memorial, and says, I'm your loving father. If I heard you with that, you have nothing to worry about. He said, I stopped the universe once, I'll stop it again. So, okay. So, so, yeah, everybody stand up. Okay. So, Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. Even if we don't know it, we thank you that you are revealing it to us as we cry out. You give us, you give us the things to pray for, Lord. You, you tell us that you will be here for us to answer, that you'll provide all of our needs. Lord, I pray that for every person here who had... Um, has a scar in their soul from not having a father or from having a father who wasn't there. Father, let them realize that you will stop the universe because you are their father who hears their cry. And Lord, you know, I testify to that. As real as I'm standing here today, I can testify that that is true, Lord. And I pray that you will instill that and crystallize that in every person's heart and mind here, that whether they feel it or even believe it, that when they cry out, you, as their loving Father, hear them and are and is eager and willing to answer their prayers. Father, reestablish our faith in the fatherhood that you exude on us, Lord. You are our Father. Give us all fresh revelation. Give me fresh revelation. Father, let your word wash over us with love from the Father. Make it real, Lord. Make it real. Build memorials even when we can't, that we can look back on and say, my God, you are, in fact, my Father. I just bless every person here, every father, every mother, every child. Lord, I pray you will restore this country yes. to celebrate yes, the father and masculinity. Yes, Build us up as a country. Let us see our founding fathers in a new light. The founding fathers. You are the ultimate father who guided our founding fathers. So, Lord, reinforce our beliefs in this country. Reestablish the fatherhood that you have designed for us to have, that you have designed for us to live out. Bless us, Lord, and we will bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Pastor, as we were thinking about family, I noticed five things. You can remain standing because I think we're going to dismiss here in a moment. If there is anyone 
here today or watching online or watching in the future to this message who has never received the Lord Jesus. As Pastor Mahesh testified, he is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to this heavenly father but through Jesus. So if there's anyone who has not received the Lord Jesus, we invite you today to make this your new birthday and be joined to the family of God and to the Father. I noticed there are five things that are given us that we can find truly nowhere else other than in the family of God. And the first one is our identity. We will find it only truly in our restoration, our relationship with the Heavenly Father. Secondly, security, because He has given us an eternal covenant that is built upon and held secure by His promises and His work. Thirdly, nurturing. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'll come to you and be with you. It's called the helper, the comforter, the guide, the teacher. Nurturing. So there's identity, there's security, there's nurturing, there's fellowship. We have fellowship with one another through the blood of Jesus. It's a unique bond, a unique communication, a unique opportunity to be accepted and loved and to share that love. And then lastly, we have an inheritance. Say inheritance. So if there's anyone whose natural inheritance has been marred or stolen or diminished in any way, let us proclaim to you some good news. Your big brother has a will with an inheritance that is certain. Amen? Amen. Amen. You always, we talked about one of the main elements in the family is love. I just want to leave you with this scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 where it says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So it's these processes, not we just jump into just saying love, but it includes all these other things so we may obey the Heavenly Father and be pleasing in His eyes. And may you enjoy always the love of Abba Father. Say Abba Father. Abba Father. Amen. <laughs> and Hallelujah. uniquely to all of our family in Brazil, Happy Father's Day today is the Brazilian uh, Father's Day. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that something? That is great. <laughs> we have several who watch us in Brazil. We bless them. And all over the world, receive the Heavenly Father and receive His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ in a moment, I would like our uh, prayer leaders here that come and help me pray. Come up forward, please, and just be ready to pray. And if you, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, 
or need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or need to be water baptized. Come on up. Or if the Lord's telling you to become a member of this church, this family, God's saying, you've been an orphan long enough. And be, become a part of this fellowship. Come on up in Jesus' name. Uh, we welcome you right now.